0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Unaware Podcast with Bee Physiology.
1: So sit back and enjoy this episode of Bee Stories, where we get to chat to Charles as he rediscovers his approach to life after his body sustained a spinal cord injury. Charles, thanks so much for joining us here at Bee Physiology on our podcast, the Unaware Podcast. First question we like to ask everyone who comes in is, and it's usually a very tricky question to answer, but uh, what would be the name of your autobiography?
2: Yeah, well great great opportunity to come in as well So thank you for that I've been quite looking forward to this I've had a good think about that And my autobiography would be titled Two Choices mm. Every morning I wake up And I've got two choices And I make those two choices Consciously now But when I reflect back on my life um, Pre the spinal cord injury I was making them unconsciously mm. The two choices I have every morning are to... Choice number one is stay in bed. It's quite easy to justify that as a person with a disability. I can find people around me that will reinforce that behaviour. I might pop a painkiller or two, stay in bed and um, get through the day. Because I wake up in pain every day of my life. Choice number two is to get out of bed and give it a go and getting out of bed and giving it a go for the last six almost seven years that i've been uh, had a disability that my body's had a disability has allowed me to live a much richer life it's allowed me to experience things i would never have experienced even as a person without a disability uh, it gets me out of bed to get on my bike It gets me out of bed to get into the gym. It gets me out of bed to experience life uh, to the full. And I absolutely, it's not an easy decision to make every day. And all disabilities are different. So this is just what's worked for me personally. But I absolutely push myself to take choice number two, get on with it. And that's worked extremely well for me. I love that. That's a great great choice I mean,
1: yeah. yeah, one of the definitely one of the titles that I can relate to. I was a gonna lot say more. that I think a lot with of everybody. People can. Yeah. yeah. It's it's there's always a positive way of doing something or looking at something and a negative way. Yeah. And if you lean towards positive, it's more more likely to happen. Good things happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Two choices. I love that. That's okay. fantastic. That's great. Okay, let's move on to uh, just give us a little bit of a background about your life before, you know, having this injury that you mentioned,
2: uh, and then we'll kind of get into that a little bit afterwards. Okay. Um, well, firstly, I see my life as it's a continuum. Mm-hmm. So I don't see before and after. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a point in my life that I, a part of my body incurred an injury. Um, it's not me, it's a part of my body has. Before I had that injury, I was doing different things. So I'd had a great corporate career, I'm um, uh, moving into the next stage of enjoying after-corporate uh, career. And that got to the point where I sort of had a lot of, um, just before my injury, a lot of free time on my hands, which I'd never had before. Because I'd pushed myself pretty hard in a corporate environment, and to do that led to benefits in the corporate space. Um, I became a CEO before I was 40 of a public company, and I had great success um, where I worked at all the companies, including the last one that I did. But my ego and my persona when i reflect on it now uh, were geared around pre my body incurring a, a spinal cord injury uh, were geared around a corporate persona as much mm-hmm. if i was at a barbecue and you introduce yourselves to each other and you say hi i'm aj i'm harry i'm charles the, the next question that always flows is so what do you do yeah and people are uh, interested in what you do for work i find that weird now mm. because work is not actually that important but it's i would have introduced myself as i'm charles gregory and i'm the ceo of a public company
0: mm. interesting so well, can i just because the word that you used was ego so do you mean that like you broke um dropped your ego as a whole or like you just shifted the way that your ego was sort of position like your ego was no longer based around work or like you've actually just dropped your yeah. ego entirely
2: so when i'm talking about ego everyone has an ego um it's not the sort believe of believe me common, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the common sense of the word but that's my persona that's hmm. how i described uh, myself that's where i found my space um, hmm. in this world i was good at it um i got recognition for it and uh, that kept reinforcing it after my body Incurred a, a spinal cord injury, I still had this um, ego and persona that was around being in a com- command and control life, mm. corporate life, all the bells and whistles that come around that and when I incurred a, when my body incurred a spinal cord injury, it was a big adjustment for me, and I can remember uh, the early days at the PA hospital I was there for nine months so I got to experience a lot but in the early days I felt a strong drive to manage the process of going through rehab but I couldn't help myself in terms of identifying areas in the hospital where I just thought it could run a whole (laughs) lot better and needless to say That didn't go down well. It's a few of them. With the the doctors and and Uh, specialists. But I was used to controlling my own life. Yeah. And when my body incurred the spinal cord injury, I had to move from command and control to relinquishing control to others to help me get through an event that had happened. Mm -hmm. And then that also drove or was the impetus, I would say, for the change in persona and ego in that Mm. i now have to advocate with people to get outcomes that i want um i have to come across in a different way and i achieve as as significant outcomes but in a a different way because my ego is not a ceo ego Mm. anymore
0: what's that process like in terms of time I imagine that that is not something you figure out overnight or you develop overnight and no, it to let long, go of that it
2: took a long time and even after my body incurred the spinal cord injury I straight away pushed to go back into commercial space so mm. the closest thing I could do with the amount of hours I could work was join boards mm. of in a director role and I've done a couple of those um, including a Sporting wheelies, where mm. I met Harry. Mm-hmm. But I'm on what I've decided personally is the last one now. I'm on a, a board of a company called LifeTech, and after I finish with LifeTech, um, that's not something that interests me Drives more, it. and mm. it doesn't really row my boat.
1: Yeah, right. And if you, you mentioned that you don't have the the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, CEO ego anymore, what would you title your ego as now?
2: It's interesting because I, I don't, um, and we should probably get into this at some point, I don't consider myself a disabled person. Mm-hmm. My yeah. body has a, has a disability. Mm. So I've moved my discussion with others or how I engage others is far more around uh, I'm Charles. Yep. And let's have an interesting discussion in reality what I found out, it, it actually bores people when you go to a barbecue and say you're a CEO uh, I thought it was really they ex- want to know how the
0: sausage is made uh, I thought <laughs> yeah. it was really
2: exciting but um, they're actually more interested in Charles the person that's such a good point and I'm yeah. far more interested in Harry or AJ mm. the person as opposed to what you do mm. nine to five because mm. that can get taken away from you in a snap yeah and what's where do you go Mm. from there and i've seen it with others not managing to get past that point Mm.
1: it's all bells and whistles really if you right what you what you do if you identify with what you do like that in a professional sense yeah when you the way that you described it just automatically made me think of oh it's just like a veil that i put on my shoulders every morning and i walk out the door and that's what i do you know but, yeah, that's something that covers me up.
2: That's right. You know? It's how you define your purpose in life. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, and, it's and everyone does it. What yeah. you guys are doing is a great purpose because mm. it helps others achieve more. That's how I see the exercise physiology. Mm. But it's important to recognize at some point that might not be Harry and that might yeah. not be AJ. In point. fact, it won't be forever.
0: Yes. And is that that separation between who Charles is and the injury did that come at the same time uh, as like shifting your ego and whatnot, or is this like a, a completely separate realisation that you've had because I noticed immediately when you were referring to my body has a disability and it's not I have a disability yeah. that's noticeable because not everybody uses that kind of mm. language did yeah. that happen at the same time as the shift in ego or is this something that you've just developed it, separately
2: definitely over time it, it takes time to let go Mm. of who you thought you were Mm. and it takes time to accept what the future person is Mm. and i do only see what's happened to me as my body besides a number of other injuries that happened on that day (laughs) my body got bruised between t3 and t4 Mm. that is not me Mm -hmm. My disability will not dictate to me in terms of what I do. And people around me who deal with disability a lot, particularly in the medical profession, won't dictate to me what is and what is not possible now that my body has this disability. In fact, and I've got a couple of examples of this, if you're a doctor or... Well, let's say you're a physio. In, in the PA, the physios, in-house physios, do a fabulous job. Tiffany that I worked with there, I still remember um, what she did for me. At a point, we had a discussion about riding a bike. And the feedback I got from the, the medical professional side was that because of my injury and in my shoulder, my body's injury and how my shoulder presented after the injury getting up and down off a bike would not be possible so it's it's best i look um for something else and that was my invitation to get on a bike <laughs> yeah, and that started a journey and harry's actually played a played a role in that and when we get to that i'd, I'd mm-hmm. like to talk about that a bit more
1: yeah absolutely tell us a little bit
2: about the injury that your body sustained so my body sustained a what's termed a, a spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. It's um, in terms of the injury, there's uh, no blood and guts around it. It's a bruise. Uh, mm-hmm. My my the bony part of my spine moved into my spinal cord and bruised it, and that um, swelling caused a interruption of signals that I can send below that point, and it's never recovered. Um, to the point where my body has full functionality um, below T three or T four,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I've been classified as a complete injury, and again, I refuse to accept that. And I know I'm not because I I can achieve some function below, below and I've um, I've been driven uh, to do that. So I don't consider myself a disabled person. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you had cancer, mm. um, you don't. We don't talk to people that had cancer as cancerous. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, no that's one else is point, expected yeah. to carry that for the rest of the, yeah. their life. So, I'm a person. I'm Charles Gregory, mm. um, and there's a small part of my spine uh, that's had a had a bit of an issue, mm. but it's created so many other positive outcomes in my life, and that's mm. how I see it but it will not manage me that is not me yeah
1: and to when you sustained this injury when your body sustained this injury right. uh, what activity what what were you what were you getting up to and you know how did
2: it come about well i was doing in the the, the privilege i had of having a lot of time in my hands i was doing what most i think 43 44 uh, year old fathers Would want to do And I was doing an activity with my daughter mm. And I was Riding a horse mm. And I probably rode a little bit Beyond my ability But that's how I enjoyed riding And um, On the day and I, I've, I've got to be um, Careful to an extent because I, I've told the story many times right. Shortly after I got injured And I've got to be careful that that doesn't define me and become who who I am. Yes. But the way I look at it is I was maximizing time with my daughter. Hmm. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it resulted in what I call an unscheduled dismount from my horse, (laughs) Hugo. (laughs) Hugo was going one way, I was going another. He was trying to outrun another horse. And um, Hugo and I parted ways. (laughs) I don't actually remember us parting ways. Hugo decided he had enough for the day. He ran home. And um, I woke up. I became conscious in a park. um, And I cheered off a water bubbler with my back when I came off the horse. Because the last thing I remember is thinking I'm going to turn the horse into the fence to stop him. And instead, of course he had bolted into an area where kids were mm-hmm. and instead that 's the last thing I remember, and he obviously chose right mm-hmm. he also makes the second choice, and um, th- that was a, a life changing moment for my body, mm-hmm. but it 's enabled me it 's actually enabled me more as a person mm-hmm. my body 's got the small physical issue to it, yeah yeah
0: do you think that you would have? ever come to the same realizations that you've come to now from a personal standpoint without having gone no. through what you've...
2: No. Simple answer, no. And just touching back on corporate world again, there's a strategist who publishes a lot of papers. He's really well known, Jim Collins. And he talks about levels of leadership, AJ. And um, there's, you go from a base level, level one, through to um, very senior CEOs would be on level three or four, probably four. Um, And then – but you don't just see this in corporate world. You see it in all walks of life. And then level five leaders are the truly aspirational leaders. And you have people like, you know, Steve Jobs would have been in that space and people that, you know, just achieve achieve greatness not for themselves but achieve it through others. And something they talk about with level five leadership is they've noticed – is that only people that have suffered through significant ad- adversity actually managed to get to that point. So I often used to think as a CEO, I thought, I really want to get to that level five, but I'd pretty much lived the life of Riley. So, you know, <laughs> trying, trying to find things that actually went wrong in a significant way. Um, was difficult yes but i'm careful what you wish for what yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm I'm not level five yet (laughs) but i've got all the i've ticked all the boxes besides getting a (laughs) child's not gonna come (laughs) back that's
1: that's yeah that's aj and i we've talked about this many times before in terms of the people that we seem to connect with the most the people with not shared trauma but at least trauma in some way yeah and that is always – and we know whether it is just – I don't know exactly what it is for me personally, but I just can connect and open up to those people a lot more. Yeah. And that was something that I never really even thought of as a thing at all before going through troubles myself. Okay. So it's just it's, – it's amazing how – You get built from these negative parts in your life and it fully depends on how you use those parts of your life. Two choices.
0: Where do you see the link between a level five leader and trauma? Because like in a superficial way you can see a link, but I'm trying to think of how I would define that, like not knowing at all. How do you see that link?
2: To me, it probably goes back to the ego thing and that significant event that you've been through in your life. Um, forces you to reevaluate and you end up having a really hard look in the mirror mm. and you've usually got a lot of time to do that <laughs> or in my case I had nine months of you know staring at a ceiling and I've had six or seven oh. months since then. Oh, yeah. So it's having that time to um, self-reflect I think turns you or doesn't turn you, it releases the better person within you and... You resonate with others without even telling them what I've been through. Although it's pretty obvious that there's a, there's You're an not issue. Not in much, Charles, but um, <laughs> it, it resonates with others, and I can actually take more people along with me on the journey now yeah. than I could as a, a CEO because I've got this powerful space that I can talk from, and I'm not writing an academic journal about two choices. Mm. I'm not telling people what they should do. I'm telling them what works for me as a person. And every morning I wake up with two choices and I make choice number two. Mm. What I don't like, though, is sometimes I'm making choice number two. And choice number two can be going to the gym, ripping around Mount Couther on my mountain bike, something like that. And they'll say to me, you're such an inspiration. And (laughs) it's not about that. I'm not trying to inspire others. Hmm. Uh, I just want to be a full and open person to bring others into my life without feeling that I have to command and control everyone. Hmm.
1: That that point of an outsider's perspective, trying to understand your position usually does. And again, this is me speaking from looking from the outside in and experiences that i've had before and people telling me about it it usually comes out as that really motherly uh oh that's so amazing what you're doing right now right. You know, I, could, I can't believe how strong you are yeah or something like that yeah and imagine saying that to some imagine everyone out there if you were walking up a set of stairs and someone came over and patted you on the back and said oh That was about 14 stairs you just did then. That is amazing. Go, Harry. And Yeah, exactly. You'd kind of think there is something going on here. That's right. Right. And as soon as you can get that perspective, it it will help immensely, I think, with understanding
2: people. Because what a disabled person hears is that their expectation of you was so much lower yes you shouldn't be able to get up the stairs your body's got a disability right yes so that's what a disabled person hears Hmm. to be fair my experience is that a lot of people are uncomfortable with disability Mm -hmm. so they will say things that may come across as stupid even if they reflected on them yeah but because they're in the moment and they're trying so hard not to show their discomfort yes they'll say something awkward like that so i don't don't judge
1: and we've all done it it's like we've all
2: we've all done it before so it's
1: it's it's definitely a it's something that you become
2: more conscious of yes that's all yeah and i have noticed uh i'm south african as you can hear but i you what i'm australian living (laughs) i'm australian living in south uh, South african (laughs) i am australian i'm an australian citizen but i was born in south africa yeah but what i've noticed in australia And particularly a younger generation, my my children, Chloe, I was riding with on the day, she's um, 21, my son James, 25, they they don't see anything in a discriminatory way. And they don't actually see disability as much as older generations do. And I found that really comforting yes you, yeah. acceptance in society accepts diversity these days as opposed to yes. everyone's got to present in a specific way yeah
0: comforting yeah, in the I sense agree. just of how you're able to go about your own everyday life or comforting in a sense of like we're moving collectively as a into the right it's a community
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's been part of um for one of a better term let's say the normal part of community so it's comforting that you're not dealt with by exception sure you Mm. need a hand every now and again Mm. but so does everyone else just for different reasons but something i've tried to do is push myself what i call out of disability space into able-bodied or normal body space as much as possible Mm -hmm. so thinking about exercise uh, there was a point in my time where And there will be in the future again, using exercise physiologists who had specific knowledge of the injury I had and using equipment that was designed for me was important because that got me up and going. But now I've pushed myself beyond that. So I joined a normal gym, Anytime Fitness. Um, In terms of people's bodies that have a physical disability, I'm the only one in that gym that I'm aware of although I'm sure there's many other disabilities in the gym they're just not apparent Mm. but I use I try my best to just use or adapt the equipment that's there because that frees me up to go on holiday and use the gym at the hotel Mm. or Mm. it's I've got to be really careful about not getting uh, not trapped but finding too much comfort in that space that is specifically geared around disability because mm-hmm. one can get drawn into that and then all of a sudden your ego becomes again. That's where I spend my Altered, time. yes. That's okay. what I talk about and that's what I do. So yes. I've got to push myself out of that. But I think what's really important, a point that I'd like to make is I'm not reflecting on anyone else or any other disability that their body might have. Disability is all different and you need different levels of time in that space. Depending on where you are in the journey and what your disability is, I'm talking about what's worked for me.
1: Yeah, that was beautifully put. Yeah. I think it was fantastic. Let's backtrack a little bit. The okay. hospital system. So right. after you've, you know, you've gone through this trauma, and now you're lying in bed. You said nine months staring up at the ceiling. Elaborate that hospital process a little bit more. Uh, you know, who who are some people that stand out to you? What was the what was the progression through the
2: the ward and thing like and things like that? Okay, uh, well I I started in ICU mm-hmm. and I was there for a while because when my spinal cord got jolted, I also broke my ribs into my lungs. And my my biggest thing on the day was breathing. Uh, I I actually vividly remember making a conscious decision. I told someone to turn me over, and they said, "Can't move you," and I I overrode them. I said I need to breathe mm. and my lungs were filling with, with blood. Mm. In the hospital system I had to um, much like I had probably still been in command and control while I was lying on the ground I had to as I've said previously move into this role of not running the hospital <laughs> and relying on others uh, to help me through the process. Mm. The PA hospital in the acute phase of Exceptional. They saved my life, and the paramedics did the first operation when I was lying on the ground. They, they got me breathing through sticking a pipe through my side.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. With um, in the hospital, um, system I, I found it extremely frustrating. I found it frustrating that I needed a baclofen pump because my body was so spastic after the, um. Injury that I. I couldn't do the transfers that other others were doing. I'd go into this rigid planking motion every time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the pump put in then. Yes. And I couldn't manage the public health system to give it to me when I wanted it. At the end, I checked out of hospital and had it done privately because I wanted the thing. Mm. And it's made a world of, of difference. Mm-hmm. But in oh. the hospital system, and I don't think this I'm unique to this, it's any large... Um, probably more government type structure like that is is difficult for anyone to control. Mm. But I don't want to draw the way, away from the fact that in the acute phase and the basic rehabilitation that they teach you mm. is invaluable mm. and important yeah. you know, to go through, as frustrating as it may seem. Oh yeah, yeah. Leaving the hospital,
1: right? So obviously you you had that mentality of i'm getting this done leaving the hospital what kind of process was that for you in terms of you know finding people to help you out or what's the next step here how,
2: how, how did that work Relentless in not giving up and actually as an aside interestingly after nine months, leaving the hospital as much as you had it is not that easy.
0: Can I just no. interject for one second, just so I get a time frame? This, um, you when you say acute, what is the acute phase to you when you talk about that initial rehabilitation? Is that the first three months, or like, is there a long period of stay in the hospital that you consider the
2: chronic phase? Or uh, for me, the acute phase um, probably ended once um, they took my my shoulder had joined up again, um, and they, the muscles had time to. Connect. So I'm thinking a couple of months. Okay. So there's
0: a couple of months where everything's exceptional, and then there's a six to seven month
2: period where you're starting to see. Yep. For three months, I absolutely needed to be in that system. Yeah. For the six months after that, no reflection on the people trying to help me there. Mm -hmm. My body had some impediments that needed a pump and things to get me going but the following six months were slower in terms of outcomes I was achieving. And then I went home for a year and and did nothing, almost. I got the pump put in, um, worked my way through the medical system, and it's not just in government. It's working your way through how GPs, specialists work and getting outcomes. You, you can get stuck on a merry-go-round getting sent from one to another. So I had to learn how to manage or work with that system and then got the outcomes that I wanted and then that allowed me to get into the sporting wheelies gym Mm -hmm. and that started a journey facilitated through exercise physiologists Mm -hmm. to allow me to achieve some of the outcomes that I have Mm
1: -hmm. when you're uh, when you're talking about uh, that I had I was (laughs) i have a question i didn't want i was like now maybe if i think about it and we can edit this part out but i had and i've lost it that's okay i was expecting that to happen to me you're a bit nervous harry yeah oh girl can can you tell
0: (laughs) what was what was happening at home that pushed you towards exercise physiology or not exercise physiology in general but starting to uh, kick-starting your rehabilitation process again because obviously you left hospital with every intention of taking charge yeah And then you've said you've gone
2: home and that hasn't quite happened or it hasn't Probably a loving wife. And Mm -hmm. Celeste, if you're lucky enough to have a partner when you have the injury and then if you're lucky enough to keep them because it's challenging space, not just for you, but for the family member. But I think Celeste had a real need to get me out the house. So, you know, started strongly suggesting things (laughs) and uh, sporting wheelies. Uh, sporting wheelies it's another firm that offer exercise phy- physiology services was on the radar at that stage there's not as many so there weren't as many service providers then as, as there are now mm-hmm. I think it's great that it's grown mm-hmm. I remember my first day I went to the sporting wheelies gym I wheeled in, I was still in a power chair they checked mm-hmm. me out in a power chair because they told me that I would need one and I know I'm going to need one in later life, but I decided I didn't need it then, so I gave it away. But I went into the sporting wheelies and asked how it all worked, had a look at it, turned around and went home. And I said to Celeste, I'm not going back. She says, what do you mean? I said, no, it's, it's just disabled people there. Mm. <laughs> and at that point, obviously, I hadn't relinquished myself fully to the change and i hadn't even seen that I, I obviously i knew cognitively i had a disability or my body did mm-hmm. but i wasn't ready to assimilate with that population which sounds stupid now because i'm asking normal population to assimilate with disabled people i got over that and then it, was that as calm
0: a conversation as you just made it out to be <laughs> if if accepting that I... Well, when you say it's just uh, disabled people there and you're telling your wife, who's obviously pushing for you to get out of the house and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, there's no... Like, no one ever is going to argue that exercise is bad for you. So that in itself is obvious, but it was the environment that obviously put you off. Yeah. So is this something that you could just, like, casually, like, no, it's not the environment for me? And then that was the end of that conversation or was there more of a...
2: Celeste was very accepting, possibly disappointed that I, I wasn't going back. But I think I just needed time for the idea to germinate and and grow. And I went back to the sporting wheelies and started a journey there with exercise physiologists and ultimately with with Harry. And thank goodness I did because realising that I had to be in that space, at least for the initial stage, and I recognise there will come times in my future again, actually ironically freed me up to get out of that space yep and if i never went through that stage i wouldn't have learned the physical skills that i did learn to take me to the next next phase Mm. and on a simplistic level to join any time fitness which yeah i wasn't i wouldn't be able to make that journey without that interim step
1: yeah and it's it's funny because we talk about it all the time, but that's why we exist. It's for you to no longer need the, our services. Like an exercise Better. physiologist is there to help you yep. move into uh, another part of your life or whatever you want to call it where you don't need to have an exercise physiologist look over your shoulder all That's the time. right. You know, we're catabolic by nature. It's what we yeah. always push for as well. Is there's always something next, you know. I agree, and there's, and there's that progression I, through
2: it. And I've seen it happen. And um, again, I'm re- reflecting on myself, but I, I've seen it happen. Lifestyle becomes your your medical appointments. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you've got to be careful of that because it's a trap. Yes. I mean, you blokes are lovely to spend time with. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but it's, it's um. i even now, you know, I've got to be careful. Why am I having physio every week mm. now? If I can't fully justify it, then it's just becoming a habit and it's, yeah. I feel comfortable in my space. Mm. So my physio, I've now turned her around. She's brilliant as well, Anushka. And um, we spend physio time focusing on some of the exercise components mm. that enable me more. So I go down to the, uh, the swimming pool in Red Hill, the centenary pool. Oh, yep. Every Friday, and Anushka assists with that. And I swim 20 20 laps of 50 meter and that um, that's given me other benefits but it's using if I'm going to use people to support me mm-hmm. it's towards getting those outcomes that I yeah. want to achieve yeah
1: absolutely how do you find people that you know were close to you and 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 just other people as well adapted to your new situation
2: in terms of family uh, my my wife Celeste did a fabulous job. So she's uh, adapted. We're still on a journey at times, and you know, thank God the injury happened to me. Mm. It's I don't know if I'm a strong enough, person, um, to be able to support Celeste the way she would have been needed to supported. But thank God I'm married to Celeste. Mm. So she uh she took it on and she's helped me but I don't draw away from the fact that it's obviously would have had an effect on her. Mm. It's been really quite difficult for my kids. Uh they came around. Particularly Chloe, uh we were riding together on the day, so that created a couple of flow on issues. Mm. Um but to Chloe's credit, she um she's worked through it. Uh she started her career now, she's in in beauty therapy and she's getting on with with her life and Mm. um, credit to Chloe for doing that and James as well. It it obviously affected my family significantly. What I found with friends is that I probably, and again, when I was in CEO space, you have no shortage of friends, I found. Of course. (laughs) When you're a, a person whose body has a disabled component to it, you really find out which the real ones are. Mm. And my circle of people that I used to call friends has undoubtedly diminished, but I'm so glad it has because the ones that I've got left on the list that I still consider friends of mine are absolutely you know, rock solid. They're interested in Charles mm. and not... Um, not, the not how important I was in corporate world. Mm. Uh, they, they're interested in me as a person and yeah. I'm interested in them because of that. It
1: would almost be kind of a relief in a way to find people, to peel back those layers and find that those people do exist. Upon
2: reflection, yes. Mm. It's difficult at the time. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a mate that didn't invite me to his 50th birthday mm. and I thought uh, I, I really took an affront to that yeah and his reasoning was you know he wanted to have it sort of in the upstairs area and you know how would we make it work without even asking me right is it possible yes okay so um, that specific person yeah I actually still consider a a good acquaintance and we we still hang out Mm -hmm. every so often but in terms of true friendship and what Mm -hmm. that means Mm -hmm. it's probably well it is a, a different circle of friends now and it is yes you're right harry it is a relief to know those that are are there mm-hmm. uh, always ha- were there with the right intention yeah yeah
1: you have been taking up these roles uh, obviously as you're talking about being on boards after your body sustained an injury what's that process like uh living with a disability in terms of finding places to work uh, and the process of being part of a working group of people, uh, the dynamics that you
2: that you make at work. Yeah. So I would think... I, I haven't been in the situation where I've gone back to regular work. Yeah. I would think for a, a person with whose body has a disability, it would be quite difficult. Mm. Because sometimes I think what society doesn't recognise is your competency is the same. It's just your exterior is presenting differently. Mm. So I would have thought that's different. The work I was doing on boards was director roles, besides the risk that you carry personally if things go wrong... Mm. They're pretty easy. You turn up for a board meeting, <laughs> you read the board papers before, uh, yeah. if you're good, and you give strategic input um, mm. and governance and you provide that to the organisation and it gets executed through the CEO. Mm. So this,
1: is, well, this is a big part of your life that you had. You know, you've been doing that for years. That's so it's r- kind
2: of... That's right. Well, I was on the CEO level. So the board... Is the next transition okay, and right. it Usually happens in later life for CEOs They end mm-hmm. up on, on boards, boards yeah. For me it happened earlier mm. But if I'm true to myself mm. Harry um, It's not me anymore mm. I think I was Signing up for these jobs Or these positions Because I still wanted to feel That, that part of my ego was intact in tact, yeah. But now i know when i'm sitting in a board meeting and quite frankly i'd rather be on my bike that's a clear signal i'm not being fair to the organization because i'm not giving them the focus and attention that they deserve Mm. and i'm not being fair to myself because i'm not being true to myself i'm forcing myself to do something different but to answer your question in the board space Mm. if you've got a significant corporate background and then you available to sit on boards, Mm -hmm. particularly in the not-for-profit space, Mm. but boards in general, you actually get a lot of offers because Mm. it allows them to tick a box. right? And it allows, it's, you know, you've got the time available. So I've actually had the opposite experience. Mm. I can sign up for another three or four boards now. Mm. I'm not, definitely not going to, but. It's, I've had the opposite experience to someone that goes back into a, a regular working environment. I would have found that pretty pretty tough, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I actually remember, and I share this embarrassingly, hmm. when I was a CEO, we and I won't mention, we'll probably work it out which company it was, we had a person with a disability applied once, and I distinctly remember the discussion with the HR person her reflection to me was we we had the accessible bathroom facility but some of the accessibility would probably have to be looked at and I'm still embarrassed about this decision today but we made a decision and I was part of that to not recruit a specific person mm. because of their disability mm. I've I've got no way of recording or knowing who that that person was. I'm extremely embarrassed about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes me realize sometimes the thought process that companies would go through. Yeah, And quite frankly, we need to get over that. Yeah. Because yeah, people think- whose body had a disability yeah. still have many other things yeah. to yeah. offer. It needed to be said. I was think.
0: there a gap in time between like that occurrence? Did you think about that before you obviously had the accident? So like, or is this something that just popped back into your memory after the fact that's what I'm after the
2: accident sadly he, CEO ego was that strong mm. that was decision it's made nice moving done. on now we've got to do something right. else you know, this let's, let's go and tackle so yeah, some other pills it, it was Yeah. and I'm um, no less than disgusted with myself for doing that but I can see how it happens right. yeah, yeah Yeah. absolutely you mentioned
1: before you go mountain biking yep. and you know we've you know we've known each other for a while now and and you do pick up little hobbies and interests and activities that you'd like to do like we've both gone into rubik's cubes a little bit that's uh, right at yeah. some point i don't know how good you are at rubik's cubes now but let's just say my game's probably fallen off a little bit i still do
2: the three by three easily yep okay four yep. by four is my nemesis i can't get yeah. that. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay <laughs> Cool, we're on the same page. Uh, so No pressure. <laughs> yeah. What kind of recommendations do you have for people in terms of activities or um, yeah, hobbies and things like that to uh, someone who uses a chair
2: all the time? Yeah, um, my advice would be to get out there and, and give it a go. Mm-hmm. And yes, these things do cost a bit of money, mm-hmm. but there's... Funding available through the NDIS. Mm -hmm. you just got to go through a process. I was impatient, so I paid for my own bike. Mm -hmm. But I have heard that you can get them through the NDIS. It's one of the best decisions I've made. As I mentioned to you, I had to push myself to get there. People told me you won't ever get on a bike. Mm -hmm. So that's what I went and did. I'm forever grateful, Harry, for, and I don't know if you remember this, but one of the skills you taught me was a, a floor to chair transfer. Oh yeah, I remember that for sure. And that's made a big difference to my life because floor to chair transfer allowed me to pick and choose a few activities that I wanted to do. Mm. So floor to chair transfer allows me to ride my bike. And going back to the question you asked me, I think that is a great activity for mm. people that spend time in a chair. Gets your heart rate up. It's outdoors. Can be fast. It's fun. Mm. Floor to chair allows me to go swimming, and I get to swim laps in, in a pool because I can tricep dip myself down onto the pool level, get in and get out. Floor mm. to chair transfer, which you taught me, allows me to spend time with my granddaughter on the floor playing. We've got this massive snakes and ladders mat <laughs> and uh, moving the things around there. Mm. Still get a bit of assistance from Ella on yeah. moving my – little widget when it's too far okay and uh, she's a little bit older now as well Mm -hmm. but floor to chair um, allows that floor to chair allows me aj when i go to the beach and celeste and i used to love doing this celeste my wife i can now go to any beach um i i can actually power myself on as as far as i can the floor Mm. to chair allows me to sit with my wife on the beach Mm. and get back up in the chair when i'm when I need to leave. Mm. So it sounds like something that's superficial, Mm. but when you're lying in the PA hospital and you start thinking of all the things that now aren't going to be possible, I would encourage people to think about, well, if they take choice number two and just give it a go, Mm. what is possible? And you need to reach out to an exercise physiologist to teach you how to utilize functionality in the body that you still have, to its maximum to achieve the outcomes that you want mm. so you might not know this but what you've taught me and it took us a while yeah <laughs> to learn to do a teacher transfer yeah. has changed my life for the better because it's allowed to me to experience many more things or carry on doing things that I was doing before my body incurred this injury
0: yeah you're an inspiration Harry. Huh? no it's, just, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's
1: it's, it's <laughs> genuinely it's genuinely you know you go to work every day and you you don't really think about that stuff as as much and um yeah it's it's amazing to know that you have an ability to help people i think and yeah i'm just happy i was there for it to be honest
2: well i'm eternally grateful yeah it's made a big difference
1: thanks charles no that's fantastic What's, what's something that I guess over the last few years that you've learnt that you wish other people knew about disability as a whole, as an umbrella, as a, as a thing?
2: I've learnt it's not as scary as it seems. Mm. And again, this is no reflection on how others have experienced a disability that their body might have. It, it's my experience. But if they wanted to hear about my experience, I'd say to them it's not as scary and as life-ending or changing as it seems. Mm -hmm. In fact, it creates other opportunities for you and it allows you to spend time on yourself. Well, Let's face it, we all like doing that, a lot of Mm -hmm. me time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you get to go on all these new... Adventures which Mm. wouldn't have been possible or wouldn't have been on the radar um, prior. So, no one wants a disability, and I don't wish it on anyone, obviously. But if anyone's ever, if anyone listens to this podcast that's in the PA hospital, thinking about my life's come to an end. I want to share with them that mine hasn't. And it's freed me up to do so many other things that I wouldn't have done if my body had not had that small little impediment mm. to it. Yeah.
1: So uh, just hearing things like that, because I know so many people who would benefit from hearing that, you know? And, and yeah. the job that we have, we, we have... Uh, we meet a lot of people who are in every stage of this continuum of um, whether it is acceptance or whatever, um, and and I just know so many people that can if they hear that uh, it 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 can help. Yeah. So yeah, I think
2: that's fantastic. We I'm always comfortable talking to people about it. Yeah. I'm really careful about preaching mm-hmm. so I try and do it in that way that I'm, I'm always reflecting on my person. journey yep. sometimes the last thing a disabled or person that has a disability wants to hear is what they can do because there's a time and place to mourn mm. your disability and go through that cathartic process mm-hmm. but I'm at a time and place now where I get more benefit from it than than not. So it's not the end of the world and it's not the end of your life. It's no it's a new discovery phase that you're moving into. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I really like
2: it. Love it.
1: On that note, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We're okay. running out of time, but I wanna say, you know, firsthand that, you know, it was fantastic having you on. and hearing about your very unique perspectives on a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, I have to say uh, one thing that really stood out to me and and you said it pretty early into us having a chat, but referring to your life as a continuum and not a before Mm. and after is something that I don't know if I've ever really heard of somebody use that in any context, inside and outside of the realm of like somebody living with a disability. Usually people tend to refer to their pre and post and having it referred to as a continuum was
2: yeah that was really cool yeah. yeah that's a hiccup my body's had <laughs> yeah. and it's I'm still the same person I've just discovered other aspects to me yeah now that that's happened still Charles still Charles
1: <laughs> so uh, we like to show this photo to everybody at the end of the podcast Right. and all, all we want is your initial uh, reactions to the photo that's okay. all yeah what do you think
2: I think it's – I think it reflects your personality, actually. Oh, and good. I can see in that picture joy in helping others. You're truly happy in, in what you do, and I think it gives you purpose. <laughs> Just a touch on the other side. Maybe – a job in beauty is <laughs> not for you guys. Oh yeah. but, the the photo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I think you guys are doing <laughs> a great job, and you make it fun. And I can pick that up from your Instagram. And that's what people that are going through something difficult uh, want to experience: is they've got to go through the hard journey to learn the to chair transfer. Mm. But it's so much better if you can do it in a, a friendly and supportive environment. Mm. You know harry's going to turn up with a smile every day Mm. you know not every day is a good day um, but your team around you and your exercise physiologist are putting in a great effort to make sure that you get a good outcome from that session and you build on that over time to achieve the outcomes that you want to in your life
1: yeah Thank you so sure. much. Thank One you. One of the all best interpretations we've ever had, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. All it's the best. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bee Stories, the unaware podcast by Bee Physiology.
0: Don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials. Check out the podcast and our other episodes. And if you like it, leave a comment. Let us know how much you love it.